Why, hello there, dear, dear frenzy. (laughs) I'm happy to have you here today. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to thrive instead of just survive in your teaching career. It's a hot topic right now. Well, not really. Leaving teaching is a hot topic right now. But what about those of us who cannot leave? I've heard other people talking about this. Everybody has their reasons. Some people need the health insurance. Some people need the salary. Some people are not at a point in their lives to just up and leave their jobs. Some people stay for their families. Let's talk about how can you start to thrive instead of just survive every day. I have some cool ideas for you. Maybe it'll help you out this school year. Let's get on with the show. Are you feeling a little burnt out and exhausted this school year? Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher podcast is here to get you through the hard weeks. We will be tackling tough topics while addressing self-care tips and tricks to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Jessica Martin, a coffee-drinking teacher and tech coach working on my own health journey as I pursue happiness in my teacher life. I am so happy you're here with me today, and I can't wait to share all the things with you. Let's get on with the show. And just like that, we're back for another episode. I am happy that you decided to stay after the intro song. (laughs) Thank you. I should really cut that down. I've been thinking, you know, five seconds, it's long enough. (laughs) Anywho, today I thought it would be fun to talk about how to use a thrive instead of just survive in a teaching job. Because there are some people, I have seen surveys, there are some people out there that say they are thriving and not just surviving. I'm sort of on team surviving most of the time, but then sometimes I step back and look at things. I'm like, maybe I am thriving. (laughs) Maybe this is just the way it is. Maybe I am doing pretty good. I don't know. (laughs) So I thought I'd give you some little things I've heard over the years. I've interviewed and talked to some teachers that have been uh, in the profession for over 20 years. I've talked to some retired teachers just about how how did you make it this long? And <laughs> what can you do to be happy in this career? It's really difficult, especially right now, all the bonkers laws going on and uh, dealing with life after COVID and You know, one thing I heard is, first of all, you have to accept the truth that teaching has changed. It's not the same as it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. It just keeps changing. And this is all, it's always been like this. It's always been changing constantly. You never can do the same thing year after year after year. Things are always changing on teachers. I was warned of this. During my first year of taking a teacher ed classes, I had a professor say, listen, don't get used to this because pretty soon it's going to (laughs) change. It's going to go back to that. And we were actually talking about the science of reading or IE teaching phonics versus doing reader and writer workshop, like the Lucy Cocken stuff and dealing with whole language. And at the time that I was in school, whole language was kind of where it was at. And everybody was a big fan of doing the reading and writers workshop stuff, a workshop method. And now everyone's like, whoa, nobody knows how to read. (laughs) 
It didn't work. I don't know why I turned into horse mode. I just thought you might like that. So she, she was actually saying that during one of our classes. She was like, yeah, right now we're doing whole language. But, you know, within the next 10 years, it's going to flip back to phonics. And then 10 years after that, I'll go back to whole language. She's like, it always does this. Things in education are always changing. And I kind of kept that in the back of my mind. Like, okay, I need to be prepared that things are going to change every year. And it's always going to feel kind of sucky when they do. <laughs> So what I think our new truth is, I think we just have to recognize what the truth is and that it's probably going to suck, right? So the truth right now is that COVID has changed people. Everyone's gotten a little more addicted to their phones and technology, and a lot of people are not too good at, ooh, the ice cream truck's outside. <laughs> Sorry, that <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the music, but... <laughs> One of these days, one of these days, I am going to go order something from that ice cream truck because I've been listening to it for three years now and I've never had the energy to get off the couch and even look and see what it looks like. <laughs> Might not even be an ice cream truck for all I know. <laughs> so anywho, okay, where were we? <laughs> um, things are always changing and I think the COVID has changed education People have become more addicted to their phones because it's a way of connecting with people. Adults are, are addicted to their phones, so they're treating children differently. Children are not. Building a relationship with children are, is not the highest priority that everyone has when they have this little device that's highly entertaining and addictive in their hand all the time. Think, that's what I believe has changed over the last 10 years. Because uh, even 10 years ago, I think, I think 10 years ago, I might have gotten my first smartphone. It didn't have that many features. Five years before that, I don't even know if I had a flip phone. <laughs> I didn't have a phone in school or high school. My mom still doesn't have a cell phone. Like having a, having a little computer or handheld device in the house, that was not a thing when I was a kid. At night, nobody was sitting around playing on their phones. We were all playing games with each other and talking. And I was playing in the backyard and riding my bike around the neighborhood. And my dad was like always outside talking to me and supervising me. And my mom worked at night. So, um, but, you know, things are changing. Our society is changing as technology is getting better. Of course, there are some pros. I mean, we have instant entertainment now. Just turn on our phones. We can just lose our minds into it for as long as we want. It's a great distraction. We also can just get answers to anything we want, whether they're right or wrong, with a click of a button. It's an uphill battle for teachers, right? Because we're all about the truth, learning, education, learning how to read, like doing things with pen and paper. And now the world is greatly transitioned. And I think COVID had just kind of, it's made it, one, it, it shun a light on accessibility to technology and how important it was in times of COVID, right? Like all these schools need Chromebooks and all these kids need to have them at home. And how are we going to learn without them? And then it turns out like, well, the kids that were probably going to learn anyway, still learned like new stuff at home because their parents were encouraging them or they were naturally curious. And then the kids that really struggle, they from my experience, we're kind of unable to learn at home. And now we have these giant learning gaps. We were so focused on accessibility and technology and, you know, everyone having access to the technology. 
we just I th- I think we kind of missed the mark that it's not just the technology. There's something more there. There's relationships. There's time. There's communication. And that's where we're at. That is living our truth as a teacher right now, is that things have changed even from five years ago. And I was just I was just reminiscing about this New Zealand trip I went on and just thinking about all the great times I was like having with people and how things like this last summer I went on another trip to uh, Egypt, another international trip with a group of teachers, and things just felt a little different. I can't explain it, but there's just a different feeling from before COVID to now. Can't just be me, right, frenzies? <laughs> Other people have to feel it too. So that is my first thing: is just recognize things are different, and there's really nothing we can do to go backwards, and we can't really change it. So what do we do next? Things are harder expectations are higher. Everyone wants to leave teaching. Everyone's unhappy. So what do we do? How do we, how do we make it through the other side? (laughs) And some people still love it. And those people that I've talked to, they all have something in common. This is going to seem kind of silly, but the people who are thriving have made friends at school. (laughs) They've made friends with the adults they work around. They've made good, deep, long-lasting friendships. They've worked on their friendship-building skills. The people I've talked to that stay at their schools and feel happy in their careers, they've invested more into adult relationships with coworkers and building friendships than they have being perfect teachers. It's supposed to be your mind exploding. Is that not what it sounds like? So something to think about, and I I was thinking about my own school and how there's kind of a, there has been a high turnover with staff, but the staff that have stayed, the ones that have stuck around the longest, they all seem to have made friends with each other. And I've been noticing this more and more. I, I mean, I've worked at like seven schools now, so obviously I'm not one of the people who sticks around for very long, but that's what I've noticed. I've noticed at schools where the teachers are like, yeah, I'm going to stay here till I retire, or I'm going to... Yeah, I'm definitely going to retire as a teacher. They're building long-lasting connections and friendships with other teachers. And that can be difficult. It can be hard. It's kind of awkward. We're all a little off with our friendship skills after COVID and being alone for a while. I've always been a little off because I have social anxiety and I'm, I've been an only child and I'm kind of happy just hanging out by myself. <laughs> so it's been difficult for me as well. But I do think it's kind of important. And at my school, they have a little, we have a little motto. And basically, and the principal says it all the time. He's like, I just want you to invest in this place. So I was thinking, what does invest mean? I mean, obviously, there's the whole money spin of investing your money into something. It means you leave it there for a long time and you let it grow. And I was like, wow, that's kind of the same with your your personality. And maybe building friendships, like you stay somewhere and you allow something to grow there, even if it's not perfect. And even if it's a little rough, years one and two are always rough in a new building, unless you already have friends there. They're always difficult. It's hard to make new friends. Teachers are very isolated. They can have strong personalities. It's hard to pick up on when someone's trying to be your friend as a teacher. (laughs) 
because everyone's busy and needs to get home to their families and nobody wants to sit around and chat. Like everyone's on this time clock now. Like I got to get, I got to move. I got to go here. I got to go there. I'm not saying one minute past contract hour because that's what they tell me to do on social media. So I'll be more happy. And I'm like, whoa, I, I kind of wonder if this, this movement on social media to do the bare minimum and to stop working for free I do wonder if it's blocking some people from potentially building new relationships and making friends and investing in their environments. I don't know. I'm not saying it's healthy to stay at school on the weekends or for many hours, but I've just, I've noticed myself where I'm, you know, I live really close to my school. Like I purposely wanted to work in a neighborhood uh, that was really close to mine or in my neighborhood, right? I just didn't want a long commute anymore. So I have noticed that for me, I'm like, well, it only takes me five minutes to get home. So I'm never really thinking about traffic or I'm not thinking about what I need to do. Like, oh, I got to make this appointment or I got to go here. There's, I'm always like, well, I'm only five minutes away, no matter what it is. Like I, I can be home in just a couple minutes. And so sometimes I've, I've noticed I hang out at school longer and I'm not so scared to have those conversations and, and talk to people. I never really have been like the first to leave the building. I've never been the first one out the door. I like sticking around chatting with people from time to time. Some people take up a little too much time and you have to really ask yourself, am I building a relationship here or am I just an emotional cushion for this person to complain, right? It's hard. You need to look for the signs of if this is actually going to grow into something more, right? Like sometimes you can commiserate with a fellow colleague and you kind of build something with them, but a lot of times you're just you're just both complaining into the void and you're not really building a connection or a bond. So I highly recommend like, think about the people you talk to at work, think about the people you like, and think about getting to know them on a more personal level. I know my school really tries to, uh, they have like a social committee and they've been trying to get teachers together for different things, but everybody's just really reluctant right now. And it just, it could be something that boosts your happiness level a little bit. And I'm not even saying I'm taking my own advice right now but I have been thinking about it lately because I'm like, okay, I'm six months into this new school and I decided I'm going to stay another year because it is really convenient. So what does that mean? Like, how should I invest in this school this next year? And I know one way I could invest is by spending a little more time trying to cultivate relationships with people. But, you know, it is kind of a pain when you're antisocial and you just like to be by yourself all the time. (laughs) I do know, though, that I would be happier if I had more friends at school. That This is something I know. This is something I tell myself. And I know that if I were to stay at this school for more than just my usual two to three years, that, and I had friends, that, you know, it would, it would, maybe I would be investing more into this neighborhood and this community. These are things I've been thinking about. So, Um, here's the next thing is if you're going to be building relationships with people and you're not just going to cut people off so you can get X, Y, Z done, that means you're not going to get X, Y, Z done. And I know a lot of teachers are really short with people nowadays and they're just like, I got to get my work done while I'm on contract hours, while I'm at school, right? 
but you don't you don't need to get everything done all the time. There's just I mean, think about the bare minimum you need to do each week. And I just said earlier, like people are just want to do the bare minimum and they don't want to invest in anything. I'm just talking about at least in my district, we have like a laundry list of things we're supposed to be doing constantly. And it's just, there's not enough hours in the day to do all of them. And I do know a couple of teachers who do try to do all of them and they're at school many, many hours over time. <laughs> That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying like put a priority list on things. Like I'm quickly finding out at my school that, you know, my new supervisor is kind of a stickler about me turning in my lesson plans every week to this 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 curriculum engine thing. So I'm like, all right, that's becoming a new priority because they're really gaga for that. And, you know, obviously getting my real lessons done for the week. I'm not saying they're different than my lesson plans. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, there's things we put on paper, there's plans we make, and then there's what we teach. <laughs> uh, and so, like, that's my next priority is getting my lessons done for the week that I know the kids are really going to like and thinking of activities and backup activities and things that they're going to have fun with. But then after that, there's probably another 50 things I should be doing. But then I'm just kind of picking and choosing what I can do and not stressing myself out about the things that I just can't, can't get done. Cause they're, they're not going to, they're not going to, as long as you have your main stuff done, you're not going to get in trouble for all the small stuff. And I do realize as a former classroom teacher, now I'm a librarian, but when I was in the classroom, there's just some weeks you can't avoid, like parent-teacher conference week or contacting parents. Like these are things that are high priority and they take up a lot of time. But then there's other things like, you know, this training or XYZ report or, you know, getting this little thing done or answering all these emails. I mean, some of those things you can get by with not doing them. All right, let's see what else we have here. Okay, this next one is kind of in the same vein of not letting every, or not doing every little thing you're supposed to, right? Being a little naughty, cutting some corners, getting away with some stuff. And I know that's not for everyone, but it's certainly something that keeps me going in the careers. If I did every little thing that was required, I couldn't do the job. There's too many things. And I'm in a really big school district now that's sort of notorious for this. And when I was working in the rural schools, I, I never had these kind of demands placed upon me, but I've just, I'm pretty much doing the same amount of work. <laughs> I'm doing the same amount. I'm not, I'm not doing some of the extra things that I have to. There's not enough hours in the day and nothing bad has really happened to me yet. <laughs> It's been three years now. I'm still okay. And I'm just don't let myself get too stressed out over things like the extra work to do. But another thing is, and I, I was reading a book this weekend about how to make a million dollars in one year. <laughs> that sounds like a kind of book you'd like to read. Anyway, I've been reading it. And one part of the book kind of talks about being an entrepreneur and how it seems really dreamy on paper. You know, you set your own hours and you're working for yourself and nobody's telling you what to do. But the reality is it's a roller coaster being an entrepreneur because once you meet one milestone, you're met with another 10 challenges. Or, you know, once you've reached this one level of success, you get sued <laughs> or you need a lawyer for something. Or, you know, it's just like this endless 
it's this endless roller coaster being an entrepreneur of ups and downs, no matter how much money you make, whether you make 10,000 in a year, a hundred thousand or a million in a year. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you are going to ride the roller coaster of ups and downs. And I was thinking, wow, this is exactly how teaching is. It is a roller coaster of ups and downs because we have people upsetting us like students and parents and admin and coworkers. We at work we're in we're in constant contact with a lot of people every day. And we're bound to be clashing with some of those people. So that's something upsetting. We're also working in a large community. We're working in like a well, not a large community, but a micro community where things impact that community. There's there's traumatic events that happen and they can constantly like put you out of sorts this coworker gets cancer and this one passes away or this one's parents pass away or this one has to move, this one's in the hospital. And then you're dealing with the same things with your students and parents. And it's just, it's a, it's a roller coaster of ups and downs. Like there's some really, there's some really good ups in teaching, like kids making you laugh or working with kids in general or teaching kids how to read. I mean, there's some really gratifying things, but then there's some really low, low, low points. And I think it's just, you got to make a decision on what low points you're going to let really impact you. And obviously, if you've built a friendship and a relationship with someone and they get sick or hurt and something happens, that's, that's, very high priority. That's obviously something you should get upset about, but every little thing you drive yourself crazy. And I've, I've known some people who have, I've known some people who've just barely known someone at school who is having a hard time with something or gets sick or is in the hospital and they lose their minds over it. They're just like, Oh no. I mean, they, they go through it and it's because teaching attracts so many empaths. So many of us feel empathy for others who are hurting, but we have to be careful. We have to build a shield up in teaching because dealing with the community, there's constantly going to be people hurting constantly all the time. There's going to be people hurting and it's just like, how low are you willing to let yourself go? You know, you need to find a way to protect your empathy where you can feel bad, but then you can kind of close yourself off like find a way to compartmentalize that empathy for that person so you can move on and still experience joy in your day. So I do know a lot of people that, you know, someone gets really sick at school. Maybe it was a casual acquaintance of theirs and they just, I don't know, they spiral out of control over it. Like they really let it impact them. And, and I just feel like if you're letting it get to that point, I do think that talking to a counselor or gosh, there's so many good, there's like better help app and um, gosh, I think there's one called, gosh, is it like talk, help talk? I'll have to look it up for you. Talk space, talk space, space talk, space talk sounds like something I'd be Googling for like Star Wars, but <laughs> But there are places where you can seek out therapy. If you're, you got to recognize your emotions though. You have to think, is it me? Am I really having a super horrible life and all these bad things are happening to me? Or am I absorbing this roller coaster of a school environment? Like, am I absorbing the lows so much that it's bringing me down? 
And if that's the case, you got to, you got to get yourself some help. You got to, I mean, you can even work through some of these problems with self-help books. They help me all the time. It's such a cheap form of therapy. $12 book has pulled me out of some of the darkest times of my life. Um, so anyway, that was another kind of another little thing just to kind of think about what is upsetting you so much when you get upset at work, or if it just, I hear so many teachers say it's just unbearable. It's unbearable. Like, can you pinpoint what it is? What is unbearable for me personally? It's when I, I don't feel welcome and I feel micromanaged. Like my manager's trying to catch me doing something wrong all the time. That's my no-go. I can't do it. I can't work in an environment like that. No micromanaging and no trying to get me. You know, I gotcha. Those gotcha moments. And I've had so many bosses. Every time a boss says, I'm not going to do a gotcha moment to you, they always end up doing it, right? And I'm like, we're not a gotcha kind of school. It's a gotcha kind of school or else they wouldn't even know what gotcha meant. Like, I think my current school, if I said that to my administrators, they'd just be like, what? What are you talking about? Um, but I have been at schools where they're trying to try and catch you doing something wrong all the time. I hate that kind of environment. I cannot thrive. So I think that's the next step is just really looking if you are miserable. Is it the ups and downs of school or is it something specific to your school? that maybe you do need to leave and find a different place to invest yourself into. Just a thought. Um, my next idea is to pick one or two things that you stand for. And they could be issues or causes or committees or things you want to learn more about, but one or two things that you're going to be an expert on. It really can open up your enthusiasm for work when you feel like you're an expert that someone can go to about xyz topic then it makes you feel like a rock star it makes you feel like you can help people it really boosts your mood and so i highly uh, recommend that you volunteer for one or two committees and i know most people have to anyway but you know committees where you could actually grow and learn things or Go get your own professional development, you know, and teach it to the staff. And a lot of times you're going to have to communicate what you've done to the principal. You're going to have to tell the principal, listen, I just took a class on XYZ and I'd like to do a short presentation for the staff. It'll only be 10 minutes or only be five minutes or I'd like to address them during lunchtime or I don't know. It could be anything. Um, but it's just bringing that professional knowledge to the staff and being able to share it with others is really gratifying and it's helping to build those relationships with adults because guess what if you're going to invest in somewhere the kids come and go you might invest like i've i've seen the i've seen people say this and and do this and talk about this like we're here for the kids right well yeah but the kids leave every year <laughs> they go like they're here for like nine ten months and they're gone you know who stays though the adult co-workers that you're around so invest in not only growing those friendships, but helping them with something that you're interested in, sharing that passion with them. That's another way to bring that fuel back to your your diminishing little flamey fire. <laughs> made no sense, but it was funny. Well, frenzies, I hope you got some good ideas from this episode. Again, everyone I've ever talked to that has lasted through this teaching career has focused on making friendships with adults, 
finding friends that are coworker friends or bonding with people in the building, kind of not doing everything, not letting every little thing rumple their feathers, just kind of, you know, picking and choosing the things that they're going to let them emotionally impact them. And, you know, picking something that they that they love, that they can learn more about, and that they can teach others about. And I think this also goes into bringing some of your passions into the classroom. I, I worked at a school once. I was a sub for a while at this school where the teacher was obsessed with Donny Osmond. And she brought in, like, Donny Osmond lunchbox, Donny Osmond puzzles, Donny Osmond cutouts and the kids i mean they have no idea who donny osmond is like this is the weirdest thing to them and i think that a lot of a lot of the educational gurus would tell you not to do that now right i think they would be like don't do it you got to care about the kids more than yourself but as soon as you start caring more about the kids than making yourself happy then you're creating this situation where you're going to be a little more unhappy and the kids cannot learn from someone who's unhappy. Like kids learn better from people who are happy and enthusiastic and they can feel your energy and they can feel your joy. So who cares if you're bringing some quirky, weird thing into the classroom that you think is cool and nobody else does? Um, This particular person I actually have some notes about her because I, I kind of just dawned on me that that would be a great story for all of you. Um, soon, like her whole room was full of Donny Osmond stuff and the kids went home and told their parents about it. And the parents just thought it was so adorable that they went and got her tickets to go see Donny Osmond, but they also arranged for her to meet him in real life. So sometimes, you know, one, the parents recognize that their kids were happy because their teacher was happy and that it was easier for their kids to learn from a happy teacher than a miserable one. So they kind of like fed in to this Donny Osmond obsession and it, it really did. It, it really did work. I mean, she had amazing test scores. She won tons of accolades. And I think that an average person will walk into that room today and just be like, oh, no, this is not, this isn't, this doesn't go with this theory or that theory. This is not the way you should decorate your classroom. Oh, no, 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 no. They would get so upset that she was focusing a lot of her room on Donny Osmond, but the kids were so happy because she was so happy. And they just kind of like pick up on that energy and it made the parents happy. Basically everybody was happy because the teacher brought in this weirdo obsession. And so I think that could also be a part of this is just do what it takes to make yourself happy. Make yourself the friends, force yourself into friendships, find something that you can teach the staff about. We make it more about you. I mean, why, why does it have to be, 100% about the kids that you're only going to see for nine months of your life. If you're really going to invest in this school, you're going to be there longer than a year. So like what, like the people in the building, the teachers are the foundation of the building. And I wish every administrator knew that (laughs) the teachers are the foundation. They're the ones that make it a great place. And so we need to find ways to be happier. All right, frenzies. I hope you got some cool ideas. Hope you like my little Donny Osmond story. I'll never forget that. It always stuck with me. And until next time, take care of yourself. 
Try to be happy. I understand a lot of these things are a lot easier said than done, but start thinking about being a little more selfish. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with it. All right. Toodles. You've just finished listening to Healthy Teacher Happy (laughs) Happy Jessica. What? (laughs) Oh, no, I don't know how to stop.